Listen, there was this story that I want to tell you. There was a sower who went out to sow his seed. And he took the seed, and as he was walking along and he was scattering the seed around, some of that seed fell on the path, on the sidewalks, in the hard places where there was no soil. And the, the birds came down and they picked up the seed and they ate it all up. And some of the seed, as he was walking along and scattering that seed, some of that seed um, fell on ground where there were lots of rocks and just a little bit of soil, but not very much. And so because there wasn't very much soil there, the plant sprang up really quickly. But then when the sun came out, as soon as the sun came out and beat down on those plants, there wasn't very much root, and so they withered up and they died. And as he was scattering that seed, some of that seed fell among thorns and other kinds of weeds. And the seed grew up okay, but though it got outcompeted with those thorns, and the thorns choked it out so that it couldn't live anymore. But some of that seed that he scattered fell on really good soil where the soil was nice and rich and deep. And the roots of that seed went down and the seeds came up. And they produced a crop that was like 30, 60, even 100 times what had been sown. Now this is a story that you may have heard before. This is a story that Jesus was telling his disciples And his disciples, when they heard this story, said, wow, that's a really interesting story. What does that mean? And his response was, what does that mean? You don't understand. Okay, let me explain it. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. That when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones that are sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those who are sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But then there are those who are sown on the good soil. These are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, or even a hundredfold. Now, as Jesus told this story and as he explained this to his disciples, one of those disciples that was there listening was Peter. And Peter heard this and he understood that sometimes the word falls into good soil and sometimes that soil is not as good. And so as he has been thinking about this now, as he writes his letter, and this is the letter that we've been reading over the last several weeks in First Peter, as he's writing, he wants to warn us about these same kinds of things that were told to him in story form by Jesus. And this is what he says. In 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, 
confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, as Peter is writing this, he's writing about the threats, right? He's writing about the the threats to the faith. And as I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the parable of the sower in connection with this, I was thinking, you know, I have often heard that story or read that story and thought, I want to be the good soil. And so I have focused on what does it take to be the good soil, when in fact what Peter is doing here in his um, explaining to us that we need to be careful, we need to be cautious and on the watch, what he's saying is, don't be one of those bad soils. Don't be one of those bad soils. Watch out. Be on the lookout. He begins with, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That, that is, that, um, we would have ourselves in proper perspective in relationship to God. And we would say, I'm going to be under His hand. I'm going to place myself under Him. A lot of times when we talk with people, and we've been talking a little bit about humility over the last couple of weeks, I, I think that we think that humility is this self-deprecation. That we somehow just look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not good enough. And that if we're saying, well, I'm not good enough and we don't acknowledge anything that we're good at, that's humble. But in fact, what Peter is saying is that uh, we need to have a proper perspective of who we are in relationship to God. It's that, not that we need to diminish our own abilities or somehow say that we are not good or we are not something, but that we should understand ourselves in relationship to the great eternal God who is the creator of the universe and sovereign over everything. That we should willingly place ourselves, submit ourselves to Him. That we would place ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That mighty powerful hand. And if you're, if you're going to submit to somebody or place yourself under somebody, if you're going to humble yourself and, and have a proper uh, perspective, then you want that person to be strong, right? This is the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God that parted the seas. The mighty hand of God that led the Israelites out of Egypt. The mighty hand of God that rules over everything. And so when we come to Him, we ought to have that kind of a perspective. Is God our best friend? Sure. Does He love us like a heavenly Father? Yes. But we don't treat Him flippantly. We come humbly before Him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Isn't that great? It's just like the Word of God to do this sort of a flip-flop thing, right? 
the, the first will be last and the last will be first and the greatest shall be least and the least shall be greatest. And so if we humble ourselves, this will be our exaltation. If we humble, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then He will exalt us at the proper time. He will lift us up, raise us up at the right time. That's wonderful. How, how backwards that is from the way that we typically do it. That is that we try to exalt ourselves. We try and build ourselves up and go, no, I can do it. I am good enough. I am worthy. When we're trying to impress somebody, we, we, we try and point out all of the things that we have done. When I was, um, when I was in high school, there was this girl that I was really trying to impress. I think it worked because she became my wife. But I, I, I really wanted to impress her and show her all of the great things I could do. And so being in high school, I did things like jump over tables and wrestle with people because I thought that would be really impressive. We, we tend to do that. We, we take silly things and we try and highlight those and go, look at what I'm really good at. Look at what I can do. When in, in fact, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to come to God humbly and understand this relationship that we have with Him. That we are the created and He is the Creator. That we are the weak and He is the strong. That we need Him and He loves us. And when we come to Him in that way, then at the proper time, He will be the one who raises us up. What does this look like? It looks like casting all of your anxieties on Him. That's what it says in verse 7. Casting all of your anxieties on Him. We, we come humbly to Him. Humble ourselves, right? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxieties on Him. It's this picture of, like, taking something and tossing it onto something else. Like, like you'd have a donkey and you'd, you'd take the pack and you'd say, oh, this pack is too heavy for me and so I'm going to put it onto this donkey and the donkey is going to carry it for me. Or in more modern terms, you pick up the load and you toss it in the back of your pickup truck. Right? Because the pickup truck is designed to carry things from this place to that place. And so all of those things that seem too heavy, that those burdens that we can't lift, that we can't carry and hang on to, we take all of that stuff that's weighing us down and we toss it in the back of the pickup truck and the pickup truck does all the work. And you have things in your life that are weighing you down. Those burdens that emotionally are just really heavy for you. Sometimes it's relationships that you have with other people that aren't working out. Sometimes it's financial pressures. It could be job pressures. People saying that you're not measuring up. It could be all kinds of different things, but you have these burdens that are weighing on you. And what God is saying, what Peter is encouraging us to do is to humbly come before God and throw them on God. Hey God, I've got this burden 
would you take that? And I've, I've talked with people before that they don't want to do that. Why don't you want to do that? Oh, no, I don't pray for myself. It seems really self-centered. It seems really selfish for me to pray for myself. And so I pray for other people, but I never ask for myself. I never pray for myself. Doesn't that sound humble? It sounds humble. But in reality, what we're saying is, oh no, I wouldn't want to burden God with my stuff. I'll take care of my own things. I'll carry my own burdens. Peter's going, don't, don't do that. Humble yourself and cast all of your anxieties on God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxieties on Him. Sometimes I, I think about how anxious and worried I can be. And I see how anxious and worried the people around me are. And I, I read this and go, you know what? I bet. We're not throwing enough of this stuff at God. That's why I'm so worried about this. That's why I'm so stressed out. It's because I care about all of these things. And they weigh on me. When, if I were to take them and I were to cast them on God, then they wouldn't weigh on me in the same way anymore. Now, I'm not saying that every time you have something that's weighing on you and you throw it on God, then the circumstances for that are going to go away. I have... Uh, had the privilege of praying with you for many things. You write on the back of those connection cards that, that uh, Jordan mentioned at the beginning of the service. I get those. Uh, Rick and Andy, the other elders, we get those and we pray for those every week. And we have the privilege of praying with you. And we see those prayer requests, the same things sometimes, over and over again. And I know that these are the things that are weighing on you because God has not yet seen fit to remove that burden entirely. But you're casting the anxiety of that burden on Him and trusting Him for the results. And at the proper time, He will exalt you. It's not yet that time. And we have to continually be casting those worries, those concerns, those anxieties on Him. And that's okay to have it be recurring. But as we do that, we find that we have peace. Because we're not holding on to it anymore. We're not weighed down under it anymore. So we're casting all of our anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Because He cares for you. Do you believe that that's true? Some people don't want to bother God with their stuff. 
Some people are afraid God doesn't actually care. He does. We should tell Him about all of these things because He cares for us. He loves you deeply. Have you ever had that friend that just sort of unloaded? Let's turn it around the other way. Have you ever had that friend that you just unloaded on them? You were just so fed up and weighed down and tired and you just went, Bruh! And they just listened and gave you a hug. Maybe they prayed with you. Maybe they said, it's going to be okay. And you went, why, why would you even put up with this? Why would you even put up with me just like complaining and letting all of this out on you. And they, Because I'm your friend. Because I love you. I want you to be able to share this stuff with me. God's going, I want you to be able to share this stuff with me. I want you to tell me about this stuff. I want you to not only complain about it, but, but hand it over to me. I would love to take this burden from you. But isn't it interesting that we're not having God come and go, oh, that's a really heavy burden. I'll just take that. He's just waiting to catch it. You're the one that has to throw it, but He's waiting to catch it. He's not going to drop it. Sometimes... You have too many balls in the air, right? You've heard that saying before. But you've been juggling and you're, you've got too many balls in the air all at once. You need somebody else to catch these. They cannot hit the ground. I can juggle a little bit. I can juggle three things at a time. If you throw a fourth thing at me, one of them or probably three of them are going to hit the ground. But if I can just hold one or two... God can handle all the rest. In fact, I don't even have to hold one or two. I can cast all my anxieties on Him and He takes them all. Because He loves you. Because He cares deeply about you. That's why you can do that. That's why you can throw them on Him and rest peacefully knowing God has this. If you're still anxious about it, keep throwing it there. Prayer is super important. It's why we have the connection cards so that you can write those prayer requests and we can pray with you about things. It's why we're having a week of prayer There are seven churches in Wilsonville that are doing a week of prayer this week, starting this evening. We're going to be praying on on Saturday is New Life Wilsonville's day, technically. But we're going to have a chain of prayer, people praying for an hour at a time, 24 hours a day, all seven days this week. Because we see a value for prayer. 
that we can't handle stuff. No single person can handle it. No single church can handle it. Not even all of the churches in Wilsonville can handle it. And so we're just going to take all of those things and we're going to throw them all at God. So excited to be a part of that. Then he goes on. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In, in the parable of the sower, there were the birds that came and snatched the seeds away. Here we have this roaring lion who is waiting for somebody to devour. This adversary, this opponent who is waiting and watching for some opportunity to step in and steal your faith away. This is a real threat. This is not something that we should take lightly. If there are lions outside, we don't just go, you know, I'm going to take my chances. The lion is roaring outside. We're not going to just go walking through. We're going to be on our guard. Be sober-minded. Be serious about this and be watchful. Because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's watching for opportunities to come in and to accuse. And when you are weary, when you are suffering, when you are anxious, those are opportunities for him to come in and go, oh yeah, you really should be able to handle this better than you're handling it. Oh yeah, you are not measuring up. Oh, look at how worried you are about that. God must not love you. Oh, yeah, I see that. And everybody else is going to. Like when there's blood in the water, there will be sharks nearby. If there is a wounded gazelle, the lions will find it. If there is a suffering Christian... The devil will be nearby watching for the opportunity to come in and to accuse and to devour you, to steal away your faith. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Resist him. You you are not alone. One of the tactics that the devil uses is to isolate. All predators use that tactic, right? I'm going to just separate this one out from the herd. Get it alone. I'm going to just take you and go, wow, no one else is struggling like that. Didn't you come into church? Didn't you see all their smiling faces? Their marriages are all happy. Their kids are perfect. 
They obey their parents. They don't struggle with anything. They don't have any sins that are creeping up on a recurring basis in their life. They're not suffering. They're not anxious. They're not worried. They're good Christians, unlike you. You're the only one. And the devil tries to separate you out and accuse you. And Peter's going, no, no. Resist him. Remain firm in your faith. You are not the only one that's struggling. You are not the only one that's dealing with these things. Remain firm in your faith. Remain firm. Continue to cast those anxieties on the Lord. Continue to humble yourself and submit yourself to God and say, God, I just need help right now. God, I'm struggling right now and I need You to work in me. God, I'm worried about how people are going to respond. Would You take that? God, I'm having challenges in this relationship with this friend and I don't feel like I've been doing it right. Would You take that? God, I'm so worried I'm not going to be able to make ends meet. Would you remind me that you are the provider? This is the way in which we resist the devil, that we remain firm in our faith, that we remember God loves us. God cares for us. We can cast all of these things on Him. He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for your sin. He saw your need and He said, this is how I'm going to deal with this. My son is going to come and he's going to die in your place. He's going to take your burdens. He's going to take your shame. He's going to take your guilt. He's going to take your suffering. He's going to take all of that and he's going to deal with it on the cross. I'm going to wipe all of that out. So we may follow in His example and suffer for a little while, but we know that ultimately He is going to deal justly with all of it. And in that proper time, He will lift us back up again. Resist Him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. When we continue to come to Him humbly and cast all of our anxieties on Him, when we remain firm in the faith, we can be so confident that in that right time, He is going to come again. He's called us to this this eternal glory in Jesus and will Himself, listen to this, He will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I feel like in our faith, we're playing Jenga. And we keep pulling out the little things and stacking them on top. And the longer we play this Jenga game, the worse it gets the more teetery the tower gets. And you know how you're not allowed to like 
hold it. What he's saying is that God is going to come in and he's going to put them all back. He's going to hold it firm and add all the little sticks back in so that there's no wobble. And then he's going to take some super glue and go all the way around this thing. And at this point, some of you go, that is totally cheating. You're not allowed to do that. The devil would have you believe that. But God is going to come in and he is going to firm this thing up. He's going to restore you. He's going to confirm you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to establish you. If you see a building that's beginning to wobble, you come in and you restore that building. And you provide extra struts and supports. And I don't understand how all of those things work, but I know that if you use triangles, that helps. It firms it up. You increase the base. You dig it down to make a deeper foundation. In the terms of the parable of the sower, we put our roots down deep. Because the deeper the roots of the plant go, the stronger and the firmer the plant is. And the way that we get those roots down deep is to remain firm in the faith and continue to cast our anxieties upon God. And He who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. To Him be the dominion. To Him be the might, the power. That mighty hand of God that we humble ourselves under. That mighty hand of God that will exalt us at the right time. To Him, may He have that kind of might and power. That kind of dominion. That kind of strength. Now and forevermore, to Him be the glory. This is what Peter's saying. To Him be the dominion forever and ever. May it be so. Yes and Amen. This is the God that we serve. This is why we prayed earlier from Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. It will protect us from the accusations of the devil because we have... Um, in prayer and supplication, made our requests known to God. I want to encourage you this week to set aside time, that maybe two minutes every morning, that you're going to wake up and say, what am I worried about today? And just for two minutes every morning this week, you're going to write those things down, and then you're just going to pray and say, God, would you take these? I give them to you. 
And let's see if the peace of God resides in us this week when we do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reassurance from your word that you love us, that you care for us. Father, thank you that you will restore and confirm and strengthen and establish us. Lord, I pray for those who are here this morning who have been anxious, maybe are still feeling stressed or worried or concerned or wearied. Father, I pray that they would be bold this week to cast those cares on You. And I pray that You would show Yourself faithful to them. That whether or not the stimulus for that anxiety goes away, yet they would have a peace that surpasses all understanding residing in their heart even with respect to that issue, because they have given it to you. And then, Father, we believe that at the proper time, you will exalt them and raise them up to eternal glory with Jesus. Father, remind us of that, we ask. Through your word and through Uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.